Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. Good evening, everybody. It is Michael Wags, Wagon Connect here. And once again, Scott Tobin is out because he's down at Bush Stadium as the Cards and Diamondbacks continue their series tonight at Bush. And it's also Tuesday, and you may be sitting here going, wait a second, Wags, you, you usually play hockey on Tuesday nights. Well, actually, at this point in time, I am. This is actually something we recorded a little bit earlier today so that we'd be able to be with you tonight at our normally scheduled 9 o'clock start time. And Scott and I got together and talked a little bit about what's going down as far as the Cardinals are concerned. We do have some reinforcements on the way. Uh, Nolan Gorman advanced to AAA yesterday, and Harrison Bader is also at AAA as he continues his rehab assignment. Uh, but we got a chance to talk a little bit earlier about the Potential additions of guys like Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson. So we're going to go ahead and take a few minutes and talk about that. And we'll come back after that and talk a little bit about what else is going on in the world of sports. So let's go ahead and dive into the Cardinals right now because there's a lot of different things going on with this organization. Obviously, the losing streak is, uh, you know, pretty hard. Uh, 17 games in June that they've lost this year. Uh, it hasn't been all that positive for the Cardinals. There's also rumors circulating about guys that they may be able to go out and get or maybe should go out and get, as well as question marks surrounding the leadership of this team, not just the coaching staff, but also up top at the general manager spot, maybe even up to the owners uh, per se as well. But Scott, you've been hearing a lot of rumors so much about some of the Texas Rangers players that might be coming to the Cardinals or that at least they might be interested in. And Derek Gould had a little bit of that last week in one of his articles talking about how Minnesota and Texas are two of those teams that the Cardinals may be able to do some deals with. What have you been hearing along those lines, especially with regards to Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson? You know, just the initial stuff. You know, there are rumors that the Cardinals and the Rangers have at least had preliminary conversations about Gibson and Joey Gallo as well. And like you said, Derek Gould's talked about it. Our buddy Tom Ackerman was talking about it on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX yesterday as well. He thought those were the two guys that made the most sense for the Cardinals in Gibson and Gallo. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy, Kyle Gibson, who – is he an ace? Not necessarily. I mean, he's been he's been ace-like this year. But for the most part of his career, he's a steady two or three type pitcher in your rotation, which is something the Cardinals desperately need right now. You know, not just for the short term, for, but for the long term. Because, I mean, hopefully in two or three weeks, you're going to get Jack Flaherty back and you'll have that ace. And then you can slide Gibson into that two spot or the three spot, depending on where you want to put Wainwright. And uh, hopefully that solidifies that rotation in some aspect. And then Joey Gallo, you know, a lot of people I know said, oh, Joey Gallo doesn't do anything to help this team. But you got to look at the fact that, yeah, his batting average is still like 230 right now, but it, it's steadily climbing. And he's got 16 homers and 40 RBIs. So, you know, the 16 home runs, he would be one ahead of of Arenado and Tyler O'Neill for the lead on this team. And then 40 RBIs would tie him with Paul Goldschmidt for second. So, I mean, that would be a bat that you could definitely use. Um, you know, this team's got to do something. I mean, you look at what's going on tonight. Wade LeBlanc is starting tonight. You know, you've already taken John Gant out of the rotation. So you're going with the journeyman in LeBlanc tonight. And he's looked good in the couple of innings that he's pitched for the Cardinals out of the bullpen so far. So hopefully he can go out there and at least throw strikes. 
And I mean, when you look at that way, I mean, otherwise this rotation, I mean, other than Wainwright, it's, it's just in shambles and you've got to feel bad for the lineup. I mean, it's hard when every game you're going out there and by the time you come up to bat, you're down three or four runs in the first inning every night. It seems like, I mean, that's just a lot to ask this team to fight uphill every single night. And we uh, put out there on Facebook a, a, t- a quote about this, about, you know, is this the right move? Is this be something that would help the Cardinals? And you've got uh, some people commenting, one of our buddies, Scott Stone, I uh, really don't think the offense is the problem. problem is our starting pitchers and relief pitchers because they're putting too much extra weight on the offense to try to produce because the pitching staff is giving up four runs or more before the fifth inning of every game, it seems like. And that's a little bit towards your point is that, you know, the offense may be struggling, but it's because the pitching staff is putting them behind. But is it also kind of twofold where the pitching staff is trying to do too much and then therefore they're giving up those runs because the offense isn't able to score. Is it, is it kind of like a vicious cycle or is one leading to the other? I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you've got guys out there, you know, I mean, you got a guy like Johan Oviedo who at this point you just have to say isn't ready for the major leagues. I mean, he's made 14 starts now and still doesn't have a win. You know, I mean, and that's a, that's a pretty big sample size at this point. You know, and he can't get through five innings. You know, he's, he still doesn't have his control. We saw him walk four guys in the first inning yesterday that just, you know, I mean, that just can't happen. You know, it puts everybody back on their heels. You saw it in the first inning yesterday. You know, he walks three guys and then he he throws one in the dirt. Yachty misses it. It's a pass ball because the defense just isn't as engaged when your pitchers are throwing that many pitches every half inning, especially when it's as hot and humid as it has been at Bush Stadium the last few nights. You know, it's just, it's just a bad look. I mean, You saw how different the team looked when Wainwright pitched on Saturday. I mean, that was a totally different team. They came out. They were fired up. We saw Arenado make the unbelievable play down the third baseline. You know, guys were jumping around in the dugout. You know, there was a sense, I think, in that game that, okay, Wainwright's pitching, we're going to win. And I think right now, everybody else that takes the mound, the team goes into it thinking, oh, my God, how many runs are we going to be down? You know, what do we have to do to win tonight? Do we have to score 10? You know, I mean, and you just can't play baseball like that, you know. I saw a stat a while ago that, you know, Jack Flaherty went down a month ago. Cardinals were in first place when Flaherty got hurt. They're 7-17 seven and 17 since they lost Jack Flaherty, and now they're in fourth place eight games out of first. So, I mean, that just tells you how important that ace truly is and to have more than one guy in that rotation in Wayno that can lead you. Uh, very, very true. And all, all the people out there that say Jack Flaherty's not an ace, I mean, these numbers kind of bear it out that maybe he's not the typical number one guy right now, but he is definitely progressing that way. And what, to your point, I mean, he puts balls in play. He the, the defense is engaged and involved. He doesn't walk guys. I mean, you had Gant out there that was walking people, Oviedo walking people. Cardinals have one of the worst walk-to-nine-inning ratios in the entire league. So, yeah, your defense gets back on your heels, and then when something actually does happen, they're kind of a second late to react, and then sometimes a second is all it takes. Yeah, it is. You know, and you're still dealing with the fact, and I know people don't want to hear it, but you got players, guys playing out of position. You saw it a couple of times last night with Dylan Carlson. You know, balls fall in front of you in center field, and then he tries to overplay him, and they get behind him. You know, he's just not a major league center fielder at this point in his career. He's a good outfielder, but you're missing Harrison Bader's defense, whether people want to admit it or not. That's a huge part of it. And then we've seen the same thing. You know, we've seen struggles at second base with whoever's playing there, missing balls, not getting the balls. And then we've seen Tommy Edmond misplay some balls in right field here lately. And I don't know if people are paying attention, but, Tommy Edmonds is not the same ball player in June that he was in April and May. I mean, his average has fallen 
almost a hundred points. He's not. He's walked one time this month, once, Oof. and that just happened the other day. I mean, his on base percentage is is unbelievably low. He's not hitting the ball hard. We're seeing the Tommy Edmond that we saw last year all of a sudden, where he's just hitting little weak ground balls on the infield and really not producing much of anything. And it's seemed to be even worse since he made his comments the other day. So, I mean, I don't know if all of that kind of compounds on top of each other. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's just a lot of issues with this ball club right now. Although I will say the one bright spot that I see coming in this lineup is our shortstop. Because if you watched Paul DeYoung over the last week or so, he's taken a better at bats. He's drawn a ton of walks. I think he walked six times this week, which – for Paul DeYoung, that's like a month's worth a lot of times. <laughs> and, you know, we've seen him drive the ball to the opposite field. He hit a home run. You know, he's got a couple of hits for RBIs the last couple of days. Maybe it's the stash that he's decided to grow. I'm not sure. But uh, Paulie looks like he's coming around. And, you know, you go back to the coaching and if there's problems there, apparently the guy that Paul DeYoung talked to to help him get his head straight at the plate wasn't our hitting coach, Jeff Albers. It was former Cardinal Ryan Ludwig that he went to, and Ludwig apparently gave him some advice and seems to have straightened him out. So, you know, that brings up some issues right there that if the guys aren't going to their hitting coach, they're going to guys outside the organization. That's an issue in itself. It really is. And it also leads you back to that question of, you know, what does this guy, like a guy like Jeff Albert, what does he actually bring to this team? Because he, he came from Houston. And his repertoire was more of, hey, he made these guys better. But now when we know what happened in Houston, and Albert said he hasn't really, wasn't really a part of all of that, didn't really know what was going on, but there's got to be something to that. And if you're looking at that and you say, okay, even if you didn't know about it, how much of what they were doing was actually you're doing and how much of that was actually the other things going on? And if that's the case, as the Cardinals, how can you sit there and say, okay, this is what we're getting out of them we have to let him go. Like, how, how are they not making that decision? Is it is it a Mike Schilt thing? Is it a John Mozeliak thing? Is it them saying, oh, we made a mistake and we don't want to admit it? What, what Why is Jeff Albert still the hitting coach on this team with the way that they're producing? I think it, I think it goes back to, I think you hit it right on the head. It's John Mozeliak because he's the one who makes those hires. You know, I mean, yeah, Schilt might have some input, but Mo makes those comments. And it's not the first time that we've seen Mo be slow to react when a decision that he made or a player that he signed is underperforming or a coach isn't doing well, and he won't pull the trigger on letting him go. You know, he keeps him way longer than he should. And I think that's another case here where you don't want to admit that, okay, we've made a mistake because they brought Alberts in and they said, okay, here's the hitting philosophy. Here's what we're going to do. And it's not just going to be the major leagues. He's going to enforce this all through the minors and everybody's going to work this way throughout the organization. And you're seeing that it's not working. And at some point, you've got to go, okay, we've got to make some changes. I mean, the analytics thing, I think they're too analytic. I think they're too. I think there's too much of that. I think guys aren't going up there, see the ball, hit the ball, like we used to always hear when we were kids growing up. I think everybody's going up there thinking about, you know, launch angle and, you know, that kind of stuff, hard hit rate and those kind of things, rather than just going up there and simplifying it and seeing a fastball and swinging at it. I can totally 100% agree. I mean, if anybody knows me and has watched the show, you know that I, I'm not a huge analytics fan. I do think it does have a place, a part of the overall scheme of the philosophy. You got to have it. I mean, the numbers are there, and, and when they're that consistent, you have to at least acknowledge them. But you also have to have the actual feel of the game itself. You know, you can't just rely on one or the other. 
analytics have been a part of baseball forever. It's just a matter of now that they're getting used in different ways that I think people are, are really pushing that hard. But you have to have a little bit of both. You have to look at the numbers, but you also have to look about at what you're seeing as well. And I think players, in a sense, are losing that. You know, video has been a huge help. I mean, they can go back and view previous at-bats and what have you. But back to Tommy Edmonds' comments, if they're not doing any of that and they're just literally looking at the numbers, that's where things get lost. You have to be able to use both sets of data to be a better ball player. And it seems like the Cardinals as an organization aren't doing that. And to your point about how the, the philosophy is up from the top all the way to the bottom, the Cardinals are one of three teams that are in the bottom three of all levels of play as far as their teams being productive. All of them are under 500. Every single team in the Cardinals hierarchy is under 500. I mean, that, that right there should tell you something. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's we don't have any talent in our minor league system." It's not that. I mean, the Cardinals have tons of prospects. I mean, a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, no, they don't." There's only four. Well, they do because you've got guys like Jordan Walker and some of those younger guys at lower levels. So there are a lot, a lot of talent there. I mean, you can look at some of that and say, you know, maybe guys are struggling because they missed the season last year. But again, I think you have to go back and look at the fact that I think some of this analytics and some of Albert's philosophies through the minor leagues with their hitting process has affected this ball club, even in the minor league levels, because I mean, baseball is 99% mental. And if you're up there trying to think too much, you know, if you're worried about, okay, am I getting the right, am I getting the right angle at this swing? Am I, you know, I'm thinking about launch angle and all those things instead of going up there and just see the ball react, hit it. I mean, you get all that stuff in your head and, you know, Harrison Bader's talked about that more than once that, he doesn't really like to think a whole lot when he goes out there. He wants to go up and see the ball and react. And, you know, and that's what most people were taught when we were kids, man. I mean, when you were a kid, that's what they taught you. See the ball, hit the ball. You know, don't go up there and think too much. And you start thinking too much, and you start getting too deep into your head, and you can get lost really easily, and then it just snowballs. And I think you've seen a lot of that happen. You know, I think that's what's happened to guys like Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader the last couple of years. I mean, we've seen – We've seen Tyler do a much better job this year, and he's kind of talked about that, how he's kind of simplified things and tries not to think about so much when he's up at the plate. But I think I think a lot of these analytics have a lot to do with the fact that we've seen averages go down so much around the league, honestly. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm right there with you. And speaking of the, the, the coaching staff, if they were to fire a guy like Jeff Albert, who in your mind would be somebody that would be a front runner for that position I mean, there's talk about Jim Edmonds. Who knows if he'd actually want to do it? Is a guy like Ryan Ludwig a guy that could potentially be brought in because he does already have the ear of a guy like Paul DeYoung, and you're seeing it's, it's working a little bit. Can you coax a Mark McGuire to come back or something along those lines? Like who in your mind would be somebody that, that would fill that role and fill it well? Yeah, I think Luddy would probably be pretty good. You know, he's worked with the organization. You know, before COVID, you know, he kind of got laid off with a lot, like a lot of people did with COVID. But before that, he was kind of a roving minor league instructor working in the organization as a hitting coach and a defensive coach. I think a guy like that would probably be really good because he was a really good major league player, but he also had injuries and had struggles and, and you know, really had to fight his way to get that shot in the major league. So I think a lot of times guys like that are better hitting coaches and better coaches in general than guys that had just like a Jim Edmonds who had just came naturally to. While I think Jimmy's got a ton of knowledge and would be a good hitting coach, I'm not sure that he wants to commit himself to being with the club and having to travel every day. I mean, he's got a pretty big family, a bunch of young kids. 
you know, so I'm not sure that's something he wants to do. And the same thing with Mac, you know, I mean, McGuire, McGuire is a very good hitting coach. You know, he's proven that over the years. And, uh, but same thing, you know, he's got two or three young kids and I know his couple of his kids are in high school and getting close to college age and are pretty big stud prospects already. So I think he probably wants to spend time with his family in California and, and not to do the major league travel every day type thing. So I think Luddy would be a guy that I would definitely look at. Okay. Yeah, I could see that definitely being a possibility. Now let's kind of wrap up this segment a little bit with a bow and kind of go back to what we talked about at the beginning, the the potential moves that the Cardinals could make. You know, you threw out the names Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson, but really the flip side of it is, is who would the Cardinals have to give up to get something of that nature? Now we talk about the struggles of the major league baseball team. Is there anybody on that roster that they could theoretically push on Texas or is it going to be more so of a prospect dump? And at that point, Where's the line that you have to draw as far as, okay, for these guys, this is the highest prospect that we would give up. And what is that number? Well, I mean, when you look at the Rangers, you know, they're not ready to compete, you know. And if you move on from Gibson and Gallo, they're really not going to be ready to compete. So they're going to be looking for guys that are in the lower levels of the minor leagues. So I don't think you move any of your top four prospects in that deal. You know, I think you hold on to Herrera and Gorman, Libertor and Thompson, I, don't, I think they're untouchable pretty much in that kind of a trade. But I think it's going to take you probably three or four mid-level prospects, probably a couple of guys in that 12, 13, 14 range, and then maybe a couple in like in the 20s, somewhere in there. You know, I mean, and there's there are a couple of guys on this roster that you could probably move. A guy like a, a guy like Oviedo would be a guy that would, they might be interested in, or a you know, an Angel Haran who we saw up here just for a little bit, that might be a young pitcher that they may have some interest in. You know, maybe Andrew Kisner is a possibility, you know, that somebody may take a look at it as a catcher. But, um, you know, I don't think you move – I don't think there's anybody that's going to be available at the trade deadline that you're going to move any of those top four prospects for unless it would be Max Scherzer. And at this point, Washington's starting to get hot and the East is bad. You know, they're talking about adding a third baseman now. So I really, you know, it's looking less and less likely like Max Scherzer actually moves at the deadline unless Washington just falls apart in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, right now I think you have to start looking at guys like Gibson who, you know, while, you know, like you said, Scott Stone said he wasn't sure that he would help this team. I mean, I think Kyle Gibson's probably going to be the best starting pitcher out there unless Barrios in, in uh, Minnesota gets moved. But, you know, that's another guy that it's almost hard to see them moving him. Jumping over to hockey, we had some news come out today that has a lot of fans in St. Louis going, hmm, should we or shouldn't we? And that's in regards to Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, It came out today that the Blues are looking at potential trades for Vladdy and that Tarasenko may waive his no-trade clause for a select amount of teams, one of those teams being the LA Kings showing interest in a guy like Tarasenko. And it's Very interesting for sure because we were talking a couple weeks ago about exposing Vladimir Tarasenko to the expansion draft with Seattle coming up, trying to get the the money off the books there. And one of two options happen. Either he gets taken and the money comes off the books or he doesn't get taken, gets a little pissed off and plays better than he has been the last couple of years. So this is a new wrinkle that's kind of been thrown into the works as far as uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and the Blues are concerned. Uh, So we're going to kind of monitor that over the next couple of days as well. We'll have a little bit more in-depth analysis of that tomorrow night when Scott and I are back with you live at nine o'clock. May be able to bring in Tom Franklin as well and see what his thoughts are on that. Uh, as uh, I said earlier, I am at hockey tonight, so not a lot uh, 
we're able to do as far as the live is concerned, but uh, we've got a lot of great content coming up for you the rest of the week. And we've got some more stuff in the works as well, including some interviews and a couple of other things. So make sure you come back with us every night at nine o'clock for Toasted Tavern as we bring you the night and the day in sports, mainly with a Midwest bias because, you know, hashtag Midwest bias has to happen. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as YouTube. Hit the, the subscribe button, hit the bell on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and get the notifications on when we go live as well. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. I know it was a quick one, but uh, we just wanted to get some content out there for you and get you guys talking about the Cardinals. Hopefully, cross your fingers that they're winning this game at the time that this is going on. And uh, we'll be back with you guys tomorrow night at 9 o'clock for more Toasted Tavern. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.